FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Resilience Hubs and FEMA Camps. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. Tonight we're going to dig into something that I just came across the other day that's really been an eye-opener as we start to understand the means in which the New World Order, which we probably should call the Fourth Reich, is quietly building its infrastructure for governments and new one-world governance right underneath our nose. And it's doing it all under the pretext of climate change, natural disasters, and the need for us to come together and work as one to overcome the coming disaster of the end of the world or whatever, something like that. It's called Resilience Hubs, and it's dark, and it's an agenda that a whole bunch of people are going to bite into and think it's a good idea. We'll get to that in just a moment. Patriots, the one thing we definitely have to be aware of right now is the issue of food. Food is a critical issue that they know and understand that if you control the food, you control the people. And these leadership types that are psychopaths believe very much that they can control the population by controlling the food. That's ultimately their master agenda in and many and one of their many levels. You need to make sure that you have a resilient amount of food, a baseline of food in your life, 90 days minimum, that is going to last indefinitely on the shelf and you can always count on. And the way you do that is to work with My Patriot Supply. Patriots, the world is getting more and more dangerous every single day. You can feel it. That's why I definitely recommend stocking up on emergency food. You know you're going to need this food someday, so get it now before it's too late. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their popular three-month emergency food kit. When you do, you'll also get $200 worth of rugged survival gear as a free bonus. You'll need this gear when things fall apart, the grid goes down, and any other time you need to fend for yourself. To see what you get, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your $200 bonus gift comes free with each three-month emergency food kit you order to make sure everybody in your family is fully prepared. Act now and sleep better knowing your family won't suffer when disaster strikes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and enjoy free shipping too. MyPatriotSupply.com. Don't delay. This offer won't last forever. Patriots, as I've always said, personal sovereignty begins with food security. MyPatriotSupply.com. Check it out. So, Patriots, let's begin by getting a little background on what resilient centers are. So I want to start with just a resilient center promo video or promo piece. It kind of gives you the context of how they are pitching it to the world. Don't you love that music? This is the town of Bianco, just outside the country's capital. Anna and her family live here. They are self-sufficient, 
producing what they need, but not much more. This is enough. Until one day, a tropical storm hits their community. Their homes are flooded. Water sources become contaminated. Their crops are damaged and their livestock die. The community is cut off and their businesses forced to close. Food is in short supply and jobs have disappeared, leaving Anna and her family feeling hungry and worried. Living in a makeshift shelter, they don't know how they will recover. The community is overwhelmed and unable to respond to the crisis. The uncertainty and dwindling resources spark conflict. Anna's family and many others in Bianco decide to leave in search of shelter and a better life. If this sounds familiar to you, that's because families around the world are facing these same challenges every day. But what if Anna and her family could take steps to connect with other people, to share critical information, perspectives and ideas on how they can overcome the disasters and everyday crisis their community faces? What if they joined a network that connected them to the information and tools they needed to take action to resolve the hazards in their community? What if local groups, organizations and government agencies working alongside Anna's community were enabled to work more collaboratively, share their resources and reach the most remote and most vulnerable people? What if all this was happening? Well, the next time a storm comes to the town of Bianco, things are different. Anna and her family, like many others around the world, are anticipating and responding with the support of a global community. They are part of the One Billion Coalition for Resilience. Are you? The Resiliency Centers presented a very romantic view of what Resiliency Centers are about. They're playing on fear and fear-mongering. And in doing so, they're planning this picture of a community that has suffered a hurricane, and then these resiliency centers are somehow going to make a difference. And they talk about their different partnerships on a global level. And they talk about how governments don't respond well to certain things. These are really important triggers because what we're in the process of right now is starting to realize that they're playing a game to degrade government's reputation so that the New World Order's idea of a unified government with local action cells, which will are resiliency centers, can take hold and assume the responsibilities for where government failed and therefore be within the communities to promise them better resolve than the government can be or has done. I've talked about this before in a previous video, but I just wanted to give you an update on the community resilience centers that are being built uh, in California. So I learned that two resiliency centers were approved. They were part of a pilot project. Funding came from the National Disaster Resilience Program through HUD. And when I dove into that, I found out that the money actually came from the Rockefeller Foundation. None of our supervisors knew this when I presented that at the board meeting. So 
they moved forward, they approved it, and one center has been finished, the one in Tuolumne. There's another one that's being built in Groveland right now. These are emergency shelters. That is their purpose. And of course, it sounds great to the community because they say these are multi-use centers, they can be used for community events, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to wonder when this is coming from something like the Rockefeller Foundation um, under the 1 billion resilient by 2030, Agenda 21 goals, we know that the goal is to burn and to push people from rural communities into smart cities. That is Agenda 21. So do not celebrate these resiliency centers being built in your town, because what that should be telling you is more disasters are on the way. Now, what they'll say is this is for communities that have been impacted by natural disasters. I would love for you to reconsider the term natural. We have manufactured weather. We have manufactured fires. Start diving in and doing your research. So now I just found out that they're talking about building another one in Columbia and then another one possibly in Jamestown. So that would make four resiliency centers in this area, in the mountains, two hours from the closest airport, okay? You have to wonder what they are planning. Be vigilant. Talk to your neighbors and your board of supervisors and your peers about this. Now, I'm also going to refer you to uh, the One Billion Resilient Partnership between the Adrian Arsht Foundation and the Rockefellers, the Rockefeller Foundation. They have this plan called One Billion Resilient by 2030. You know the Rockefellers don't give a shit about your well-being, okay? So they're building these resiliency hubs all over. There's some in Miami. It's all over the world. They they have their hands in everything. This is a global thing, shift that, that they're getting you prepared for. I hate to say this, but you should be prepared for a disaster wherever they are, wherever they are building these resiliency centers. They always indicate to you what they're going to do. It's in their own documents. They play out the scenarios. It's like the predictive programming that Hollywood spits out. The Twin Towers being attacked on 9-11 by a passenger jet. It happened. The Ohio train derailment and chemical built burn. It happened. It's so toxic. It's so unbelievable. All I can do is try to encourage you to start diving in and to getting active in your counties. Start educating your neighbors and your friends and your elected representatives and don't take the blood money. This patriot here that just laid this out, laid it out very very well and articulated it very well. Resiliency centers, and you can go to resilience-hub.org if you have, want to see this further. Let me read what resiliency centers are by their own definition. Resilience hubs are community-serving facilities augmented to support residents coordinate communication, distribute resources, and reduce carbon pollution while enhancing quality of life. Now, the question you have to ask is if you're a resilience center and you're simply there to coordinate things, what is giving this group an authority to reduce carbon pollution? That's one red flag on this, and there's many. 
coordinate communication. What about the sheriff? That's usually who does the work, but that's not enough. Distribute resources. So now they're going to be an extension of a FEMA facility. Support residents in what capacity? All of this is being played out very nicely as it plays on the fear-mongering of a looming disaster. Everything framed around the idea that the climate is changing and that we're all going to be suffering massively through a climate collapse. And these resiliency centers are quietly being put in place, which of course are being funded by various channels to include the Arsht Rock, which is the Arsht Rockefeller Foundation Resiliency Center Project. And as the previous piece just pointed out, the Rockefellers never have our best interest in mind. One of their right off of their site, which is 1 billion resilient by 2030, again, the 2030 agenda. We are driven to action by the critical need to address the widespread and intensifying consequences of climate change and related risks, threatening our communities, natural ecosystems, economic development, and political stability. We pledge to reach 1 billion people around the world with resilient solutions to to, to climate change by 2030. Change is possible, but we must accelerate and scale collective action now. What you're witnessing here is the continuing of this coup across the world, but now they're going down to community levels. And quite frankly, there's too many people out here that are going to buy into this. It's also something else. This is the first step towards, especially here in the States, what we call the 15-minute city. Take a listen to what just happened in Cleveland, Ohio. Mayor Bibb introduced the idea of being the first 15-minute city in the United States. He did this in his State of the City address last night. The urban planning model is new, but city planners told our Sarah Shookman the time is now to tap into federal dollars to address some of Cleveland's deeper problems. Imagine a Cleveland where everything you need is less than 15 minutes away. It's this ideal planning framework where human needs and desires are accessible within a 15-minute walk, bicycle ride, or transit trip. And that's really what we're striving for in this new planning model. City planner Matt Moss says it doesn't have to be a dream. Instead of a concrete jungle where people work and separate places where people live, in a 15-minute city, everything is closer. It's starting out with the city we have now and then asking residents how they might want their community to grow or change in ways that, again, make things more accessible or provide them with more opportunities to access the things they want to get to in their day-to-day life. The thing to look at in these two models is they're actually mutually supportive. The American model is not going to quickly allow for people to take away their freedom of owning property. Europe's already in a different position with that. And they've they've never had true property rights. But here we have. And in this model that we're working with, there has to be a transition, one, to getting Americans to accept the 15-minute prison model, and two, how to transition people into this idea of a single one-world government. All of these things are looking at this as if you're putting control spots or footholds into communities in preparation for the rollout of a new world government. The, these resilience hubs 
are designed to be community centers. And sadly, so many people are in such dire need for a feeling of fellowship after the COVID issue. And they have no relationship with God, that they're seeking something. And in the process, what they're seeking is going to end up biting them and it's going to end up failing because they're all coming together in these centers trying to find the warm and huggy, which is why they shut down the churches in the first place during COVID. And all they did was they broke the churches, they broke its community connection, and now they're rebuilding that in its place. And even better is that they're modeling this so that the centers are going to be run ultimately by the students, which are grounded in science, trust the science, to become the new leaders for your local area. Take a listen to this. This is Dr. Chief, who is in Arizona, talking about the indigenous resiliency centers and how they're using students, the background to it, and then how they're using students to become the new leadership in these communities. So the background of how this began really stems out of extension. So going into the communities, asking um, what the challenges are, building upon different areas of environmental challenges. Indigenous communities have unique impacts that they will face as a result of climate change that really links into their deep connection to the environment, both with their livelihood and their spiritual beliefs, but also um, the severity of those impacts in tribal communities. And then with the Superfund Research Program here at the University of Arizona, which has been here for over 30 years, um, through that center, I was able to do a lot of work related to environmental challenges. So one really clear example of that is um, the Gold Key Mine Spill of 2015, in which the University of Arizona was able to respond quickly to bring a team together to uh, be out there, work with the tribe, uh, collect environmental data, talk to the community members and their impact, which um, was very instrumental to uh, elevating the voices and concerns of the tribal communities after an environmental disaster. And then most recently, we uh, received a $3 million from the uh, National Science Foundation to build a program here at the university to engage students in those community-based projects. And now we have 38 graduate students from all disciplines, primarily STEM, you know, from engineering, science, and we have a few from the social sciences to be trained in how to work with indigenous communities, both respectfully, um, with cultural humility, and to have a transdisciplinary training that goes across engineering and sciences and social sciences to work collaboratively and become the leaders to address the challenges in the food, energy, water nexus. So you can see how their plans starting to lay out. We create the community, these resilient hubs within communities and all over the country. Right now, they're lining them up in California, probably in anticipation of burning out more people like they did down in paradise. These centers become the coordination centers 
which are not going to be run by local governments, but they're run by international partners. In these centers, then, they flood in the, the students fresh from the universities with all their idealisms, and they then provide the expertise and the cultural sensitivity training to deal with the diversity that's within the areas. Notice how they're not talking about unity. They want to emphasize division once again. In the indigenous cultures, you have to learn how to be culturally sensitive to each indigenous culture because it's unique and it will never integrate. And that's another part of this divide and conquer. All of this is going to sell well to people that are freaked on this climate change nonsense. They all are going to buy into this and believe this is the great thing to save the world. So here's another piece on this to listen again and keep in mind this is a global issue. This isn't just happening in the States. This is happening all over the world simultaneously. Another insight into how they're working these centers. My name is Arnav Bose. And I am Dr. Seema Sharma. Now the question arises is that what is the need of, you know, need of this hour and the, the, the thing is that there is something should be there which deals with, you know, the disconnect between, you know, the different stakeholders are there and to connect all these stakeholders and to connect all these things together, we have been uh, developed a framework. Uh, basically called resilience framework and now which we are implementing as well in some uh, certain areas of Delhi uh, where we are trying to create resilience centers for example at this moment we have three resilience centers in three different colleges of Delhi University uh, of course uh, we are also trying to create resilience centers at different schools in one or two schools we are into talking terms of course RWAs where we are also creating centers so why why these centers of course because these are the these centers will act as an interface where all different stakeholders can come together and then they can discuss about the issues at local level and then they can come up with substantial solution for that particular Correct. area. So, okay. okay, so that's another important dimension here. You see, in the central centralized planning model, which is what the NWO is, local action never really happens. So as you heard, they're becoming an integration hub at a local level for stakeholders, which are the global partners, to come in and talk about how to solve your problems in a local community. This is all the welfare state extended. People, you don't have to think. You don't have to do anything. Just go to your, go to your resilience center and listen to the experts tell you exactly what they're going to do for you. Now, if you overlay that with the way politicians have been talking to the people these days, you're starting to see that this model is being conditioned right now. They're telling you what it's going to be. They're not accepting your voice. Take a look at school boards. They're dictating to you how it's happening. You have a right to protest or speak up until they don't like it, then they shut off your mic. This is exactly the model that will happen here in these resilience centers or resilient hubs. And all of this being funded as a model to seed these new leaders in, bypassing government, providing the new local experts, which will become the unelected officials that will represent the views of the NWO and rule your lives at a local level through resilient hubs. This is the bypass. And they're doing this simultaneously across the globe. And thanks to some extremely prolific, retarded people in this country, they are going to buy into this garbage and it's happening all over.
stakeholders and cooperation, and we need to have our investment into our local community and cultural in- interests and be sensitive to the cultural differences, all this garbage that they keep feeding. You know what people really need, it would be really helpful, is just to get some Jesus and we'd solve a lot of this problem. But the problem is that these people are so in dire need of of identification, recognition, and they are such a believer in this idea of the end of the world through climate disaster. This is the world we're in. Let's continue with this a little bit more on this piece. This is the... It's kind of looking at how the local resource allocation works. We're here to talk about the One Billion Coalition. So one billion individuals or households uh, set to take action to build resilience by 2025. But what does this resilience look like in action and how is it measured? In action, it really means that you have individuals that understand that there are actual steps they can take if they have a better understanding of how they can prevent and mitigate shock, they can improve, reduce their vulnerability. There are very concrete actions they can take, and there is a network there to support them. One of the things we're seeing, and this is very important, when you take certain countries, the El Nino phenomena, in one country you'll have communities affected by drought and others affected by floods. So impact, shock, is very much community specific. So this will really be about one billion individuals that have taken active steps to understand their their environment, to understand the main risk they face on a daily basis, and who will tap into a multiple of resources to actually reduce potential impact of shock. So then how do you work with your development cooperation partners to ensure that there's no sort of duplication of efforts here? You know, our critical presence in the communities is the most impressive thing I've found in this organization. And Having been in government for a while, I can tell you that most often governments think macro. They design interventions that have mostly impact on a broad majority of people, which makes sense because in a way they have limited resources. And what these, this approach around resilience does is it, it brings back the concerns of the community. It helps us focus on the day-to-day lives of the, the, the last mile. People who would wait years before they can see that first road, that first uh, light bulb people who desperately need support in addressing some of the challenges of their daily lives. So there is a direct connect, in my view, in working with development and, uh, agencies to understand this need and then to be able to focus resources. All right, so let's recap. You go into communities and you set up the resilience hubs. This is all in case of natural disaster, which apparently all of us are now facing a massive crisis. That's the fear. There's a reminder that in times of natural disaster, you might lose everything and there won't be enough resources and you might have to go on the road to find new work, but we don't want that to happen. We want you to stay local. So we're going to build these resilience hub and the resilience hubs are going to have community centers and they're going to have lecture halls. They're going to have other facilities too, maybe even a a cafe and a restaurant. They're going to have Community gardens, they're going to be at a magnet for people to come in and be part of a social order. Notice there's not one word about God, Jesus, religion, nothing. All of this is creating the new hub. Now, in times of disaster, what will happen is these will be the places that you come to. Leave your home behind. Don't worry about that. Don't worry when you come in. We'll get you reestablished. We'll get you retrained. We'll take care of you. 
apparently, and we will deploy global experts to the scene, people that are part of our stakeholders that will come in and tell you what they're going to do for you. In the meantime, we'll deploy armies of students that are going to become the new experts in science. Trust the science, people, because it's the replacement of the pastor and the priest with the new priests of the Temple of Science. And they will then become your local experts and your go-tos as they have honest, obviously learned the right way of doing things with cultural sensitivity training and the expertise to actually lead you to the next level that you can't do yourself. No one better to solve the problem than is someone that they've trained, conditioned, and prepared for the new leadership roles as they destroy local communities and then force them into a contained space which one of the outcomes will naturally be the need to redevelop the idea of what a city is. We need higher density living. We need to have people living within a 15-minute walk of whatever they need. We need to get rid of cars. We need to get rid of all these sorts of polluting environments. We need to get rid of cows. We need to start growing our own food vertically on low-impact type environmental contained spaces with GMO products. We need to raise bugs because it has a lower footprint on things globally. And you won't mind eating that creamy, smooth, wonderful milk made of mealworms and using that for your latte at the local Starbucks. This is a corporate-type model, public-corporate-private partnership, where the stakeholders are all ultimately funded by the same handful of people. They're coming in and they're setting these up through private money and taxpayer money on the back door. This model then is seeding the framework for the new government that's coming. The intention is to collapse the current governments, build up such a hatred for your current government that you want to topple it, you have no trust in it, and then roll out the solution to the problem they created which is going to be this new wonderful way of administering and living locally, administered through a central hub of international government. They will have the interest and needs of you at their first touch, always making sure that the experts are there to provide you for what you need. But don't question the experts, whatever you do, because if you do, you'll go to jail. This right now is rolling out, funded again by the Arsht Rockefeller Foundation, Adrian Arsht and Rockefeller Foundation is behind this. This is an engine that has started and they're moving quickly on this. And they're making it very good. They want, they have opportunities. They're hiring people. They're seeing this as a way to come together to rebuild communities where it has failed before. They're reframing and they're restructuring everything, changing approaches creating new synergies and intersectionality, pro, proactive and anticip, <laughs> anticipatory. I'm just laughing. These are all their buzzwords. This is crazy. And somehow these centers have all the ability to do things like bring in green energy and change the way the environment works and change the way business works. I wonder how that happens. Because by, def, by definition, resilience hubs have no authority except when you read about what resilience hubs do. We're dealing literally with the Fourth Reich. They've learned a lot of lessons from since World War II. They've learned that fighting a standing army isn't going to be beneficial and building up an open fascist government ultimately will get crushed on a global level. 
But these people on a global level are all in the same boat. I've been saying this over and over. You have two factions that are fighting each other right now. They're all fighting for the control of the people. These factions, one is strictly diabolical, and they want to force everybody into the obedience, ultimately getting brain-chipped and being their servant slaves. But on the other hand, we also have the other, uh, the other side of that coin that wants you to choose. They won't mandate a vax. They'll just convince you it's a good idea. They won't mandate that you move to FEMA camps. They'll just make them look like nice 15-minute communities. They'll talk about the efficiencies of living green. They'll create a few natural disasters with their weather control. They'll make you realize the importance of these new resilience centers. And what do you know? You're going to discover that it's a wonderful thing to come together, to hug each other all the time, and to meet each other with smiles. Always happy. Don't be sad. Don't be angry any day because you'll be reprimanded by the group because we're in a new world now. All joy and happiness, all glee in the heart. You'll work together collectively in your gardens to make sure that the Resilience Center has enough food. And if you don't get fed quite as much as you want, you should work harder, comrade. This is quite literally the communist tyranny right in your back door. And it's happening with a smile. It's happening with a handshake. It's happening with a promise. And what's that promise? That promise is that you're going to be well taken care of. And you'll notice how they're targeting key groups. They're always targeting the disenfranchised. They're going to target the indigenous. They're going to target those that are in such need. They need the reassurance. That'll be the elderly. That'll be the the students that are loaded, loaded with debt that don't know what to do with their life with a degree that was never intended to do anything other than just occupy their brain space. They're going to energize students that don't want to be independent, but they want to be part of the greater collective, the collective mind, who are going to be energized to talk about how farmers need to change things. Even though they've never dropped a seed in the ground in their life, they're going to tell you how to grow your food. And even though they've never run a business, which is another little issue here, especially with the Cleveland model in Ohio, I love how this is going to happen. We're going to magically transform a city. Everything is going to be within 15 minutes. But here's some questions I have about these models. What's going to bring business there? What are you going to do about current crime rates? What are you going to do about current homeless rates? Oh, wait, Portland's trying to solve that right now, Portland, Oregon. Their idea is they're going to buy up hotel space, stick homeless in there, and give them $1,000 a month without any strings attached. Always work with those that are most disenfranchised from the main body of the society to be, they, they will become the new leaders in this new world order. And those that have worked hard will become the enemy of the state. It's happening before our, our very eyes. It's happening right now. This government is a tyranny. This government is despotic. This government that we have is communist. And it happened without a red flag and a star. It happened under the red, white, and blue with a gold fringe. Patriots, the world that we live in today is not what we thought. And what's happening around us is getting increasingly dangerous and something that we have to be increasingly vigilant on. We're going to have to make a decision, all of us. What do we believe in so much we're willing to sacrifice everything to defend? At the top of that list is my faith and my relationship with Christ. 
and there's no other way about it. We talk importantly about the position we have to have in entering into this fight. And I've said it over and over, a loving and forgiving heart. Because when you wield the sword, you can't be wielding the sword with vengeance. But let's be clear, David did not wield this, throw the stone or wield Goliath's sword with vengeance. He did so as an extension of God's justice. I want you to hear this piece as we close tonight. You know, I'm a Christian, and from time to time, I'll run across people who don't understand why me as a Christian will study and train in violence. And my response is always the same. As long as we have evil, violent people in the world, it's a necessity. On top of that, you can't depend on the police to protect you all the time because more often than not, they don't get there till after a great deal of damage has already been done. And if we want to get biblical, we should never forget that Jesus told his own disciples to buy a sword. Back then, that was like saying, get a gun. Not every person is going to be stopped by a sermon or loving gesture. So this is a non-debatable issue for me. As long as we live in a violent world, I believe it's right to learn and study violence for your own good, for your family, and for your neighbor. God bless you. Take care. Patriots, the bottom line is that each of us has a responsibility to protect and build, build and protect our communities. We don't need resilience centers that are funded from the outside. We don't need somebody else telling us how to be. So much of what's been going on in this community, in Bart's community, for the last three and a half plus years has been to encourage those to take responsibility for your lives. Resilience centers are another part of this communist overlay where the government will take care of you. Trust us, we're here to help. We've seen how well that works. If you doubt that, go take a shot and find out what it does to you. We're at a point right now that people need to recalibrate, and many are, but unfortunately, people have become weak and codependent on a government and dependent on a government to such a degree that they don't really have know what it is to take care of themselves. And that's pervasive across Gen X, Gen Z, and Gen Millennial. Our leadership in our local communities is the counter to resilience hubs. Our leadership locally in demonstrating to people what it takes as an individual household to be strong, resilient, and sovereign. That has been what God put on my heart over three years ago that we've talked here on the seven pillars of county by county. These haven't been light words. This was a radical act that we talked about. If you haven't embraced the seven pillars, I would encourage you to get on board. Otherwise, you're going to get caught short. And getting caught short is the worst possible place you could be. Resilient hubs in another level are also going to do something else. And it's all written right in your text right before you as you read through them. They're designed to be distribution centers. Which means in times of crisis, those that will get the most distribution will be those that are most favorably oriented towards the new world order. It won't be fair and equal distribution. It'll be prejudiced distribution based on your obedience to the state. This is what we're looking at. In the model, when we talk about reliance, self-sufficiency, walking under kingdom, each person has a duty and responsibility to take care of themselves and their family. But when you break the family down, you remove the father, you invert the relationship in the family where the woman leads and the father sits behind, where you've literally neutered or worse, 
the, the men and you've encouraged boys to be girls and girls to be boys, suddenly the responsibility of a household changes. Women tend to be more communal. Women tend to be more gathering in groups. They don't take leadership roles easily like men. And when women do, they're much more emotive than men. They lead with their emotions rather than leading with logic. That's a general statement, and it's broad, and it's accurate. God set up this world in a very particular way for a very particular reason, but everything we're witnessing down to the resilience centers is all designed towards this new world they're trying to shape. You will find men in leadership that are gay more than you will find men in leadership that are not. They want the confused gender involved in leadership. They want the inversion always, always the inversion. And what they don't want, and there's nothing in here discussing this, they don't want your faith and your love in Jesus. We had resilience centers for a long time in this country. They didn't call them that. They were called churches. Churches took the responsibility like an ecclesia. They took the responsibility to build centers and outreach. They had food resources. They had worship places. All of this was built. That is the model. All they're doing here is rebuilding this, taking the churches out of the picture, replacing the preachers and pastors with young kids that are indoctrinated into the science and transforming the world right around us, all by the design and all by Lucifer's hands. Dig into your local communities. Find out if these things are going up. Make people aware of what's happening. Build your community. Build the communities of faith. That is our only fight back here, other than more militant action, which we won't discuss here. But unfortunately, with the lack of God in our nation and with the lack of faith in our nation and so many people wandering that don't even know what a relationship with Christ is like, they're going to seek something like this because for them, this solves the problem of emptiness until one of their group decides that they're going to be the authoritarian and then it'll all fall apart. Perhaps they have to learn that way, but I'm not going to live that way. So these are, these are a dangerous move. They're happening everywhere, all over the globe, and they're happening simultaneously as they have done every bit on this fight, a blitzkrieg. And this is more than just a last straw. This is transformational, just like COVID was. And while they may be being exposed, they meaning those in power, and, may, and they may be challenging the idea of being exposed by truth, in the resilient hub, when you can't eat, you're not going to be thinking about the sort of things of what happened on Hunter Biden's laptop. But you will be having to worry about whether you have a relationship with your resilient hub leader who has told you that you either obey or you will not get fed. This is the model. It's worse than FEMA. And the worst part about it is people are going to do it voluntarily. And then when they get down to that 15-minute city and they look around and they say, the Resilient Hub's working, why don't we make our whole community like this? Why don't we wall ourselves off from the outside? People will say, yay, yay, let's go. Because people are like sheep. And people are essentially stupid and weak. Don't be stupid and weak. Be strong. Be vocal. Stand up to this and let it be known that you will not stand for it in your community. Inform people. Wake them up. Shake their tree. Because as they move from community centers to 15-minute cities, all you're talking about is little fiefdoms that are now going to be walled off, digitally, digitally controlled, with entry points, 
and all they're doing is slowly migrating people into their self-imposed prisons. It won't be difficult to bring people into the prison. They'll do it themselves. They'll do it voluntarily. They'll do it happily. And that's the worst part about it. So patriots, we always are going to face new threats. This is never going to be an easy sort of thing that we have to deal with. Hey everybody, I'm Chef Tom. Oops, that's the wrong one. We're never going to be, and these are never going to be easy to deal with. But as we go forward, we're going to have to remain vigilant. This isn't just a quick fix on this whole problem at all. This is going to be time and determination and persistence. And these sorts of problems are going to continue to arise because people in general want convenience and ease in their life before they want faith, righteousness, and the dedication to Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we're here today and blessed by the where we are, and thank you for this fellowship that we have that spans the globe. Father, in this moment in time, we are literally looking at a, yet another attack on our sovereignty, another place in which we have to be vigilant to resist. And we're reminded in these times that this sort of persistence and vigilance is not something that will ever go away, but something that must be necessarily maintained for we are truly watchers on the wall for life. Father, we just ask in these times that you can fill us with that righteousness and clarity that is such needed right now, the discernment for this hour, to be able to see through these illusions and deceptions that they put before us, to try to lure us into yet another trap. It's a never-ending cycle with these fools, a never-ending cycle with the psychopaths of the world that are constantly trying to figure a way to enslave and destroy us, your children, by our own free will. Hear our prayers, Father, because in this day, it's easy for many to fall off the trail. It's not something we want, but the fatigue of this walk, the, the difficulties of climbing for many are too much. So we pray for them. We pray for their strength, and we pray for their strength and resolve that they'll stand and walk and climb, knowing that no matter how difficult, it's our path here on earth. It's our path to continue to climb and seek the narrow path, no matter how challenging it is, and to constantly keep our love in Jesus before us, before anything else, and not be lured away by the promises of men, in particular, despotic psychopaths that seem to be prevalent in every level of our leadership. Guide us and protect us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We are dealing truly with a psychopathic group of people. And the psychopaths literally rule the roost right now. What we can control is our local communities. What we can affect is our counties. And when we keep our focus there and constantly our vigilance there, Regardless of what happens in Capitol Hill, regardless of what happens in your state capital, what is most important to understand is our change and most powerful change occurs locally and within the county. That's where we have a, a, can create safe havens, dominions of control, and it's where we must continue to fight. 
Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win 
at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.